Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we got more news today. Wasn't fun news either. It's uh, it's it's rough. It's a rough time for CU's football program. Um, we're gonna dig into Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman. That's the plan. Um, on a happier note, the basketball teams play on Sunday, so that's that's gonna be fun. 11 a.m. The women are going to be taking on UCLA. Obviously, a big game there. I, as it stands right now, the, the the voters would rank them in the next AP Top 25 that comes out on Tuesday. If you lose to UCLA, well, you're you're probably getting knocked back. I mean, if you were not ranked coming into the week and you go 500 against the teams that you play, like that's kind of like that's not improving your resume when you're already 11 and 0, right? So. Big game in that regard, and uh, honestly, I think I think that the Buffs women's basketball team is going to fly up the rankings as long as they keep winning, and uh, because they're now in Pac-12 play, we talked about this a bunch, it was kind of a cupcake non-conference schedule, and to their credit, they, they won all those games, and I think only one or two of them, they, they let the other team within single digits of them by the end, so again, they not only handled business, but basically dominated a whole bunch of teams, but they were teams that they should beat. Um, now now they go, and uh, I guess they, they just beat um, USC, and if you beat UCLA, easy top 25 team. And you might even be talking top 20, or who knows, maybe even creeping in on 15 there. Um, and then the next game, though, is against Stanford. And Stanford, always good, number two in the country. That's going to be... that's It's going to be a real test. It's going to be a real test. So... There's your little update there. Excited to watch that. Again, they play UCLA in Boulder at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Watch it on Pac-12 Network or go to the game if you can. It's it's a fun team. They score a lot. They play really good defense. Um, so so definitely tune into that. Then also the men's team. Uh, they play at 3. They, uh, they'll take on Washington. Washington, second worst team in the conference, if, if I were putting together some rankings. Um, again, should be a win. But it's been an adventure this season. I mean, it's crazy. They're they're ten and three now. Like it's a great record. They're currently sitting in fourth place in the Pac-12 um, through three games. You know, there's there's three teams with better than five hundred or four teams with better than five hundred records, and the Buffs are one of them. Again, like if if they win though, they hold on to that spot, and it's probably too early to care too much about what the standings say. But the goal every season for CU should be to finish top four in the Pac-12. 
Um, that, that means you get the bye in the conference tournament, and that, that's just a good goal. That's a good benchmark, and it's something that they haven't really been able to achieve all that often. So, again, they're 2-1. and one. They're in position. They're achieving their goal. Now you uh, now you got to keep backing it up and backing it up. Got to win a couple more games before you can afford to lose one. And uh, again, that's that's tomorrow, three o'clock in Boulder. We'll see. We'll see. Just got to handle business, and they'll be in great shape. Okay. So, which one do we start with? Um, Christian Gonzalez announced that he's going to Oregon. That's uh, what was expected, right? Yeah, I mean, Demetrius Martin leaves the Buffs. He goes to be the cornerbacks coach there. It just makes a bunch of sense. Um, and then the other big piece of news, Makai Blackman headed to the transfer portal. Uh, that's, a, that's a big loss for Colorado. I think you could make a real case that he was the best player remaining on this team. I, uh, I actually don't know who else you'd say. Like, maybe one of the linemen, but I, I'd take Makai over... Um, either of those defensive linemen, I'd, uh, yeah, I mean, Makai <laughs> was the best they had left. And again, I mean, at least this is somebody who only has one year of eligibility. So he's going to go somewhere for a year. And while it's going to really suck to not have him on the roster next year, you can take some solace in the fact that Colorado was not going to be competing for a Pac-12 title in 2022 anyway, and they only lose him from their 2022 team. It's I mean, Again, there really isn't a silver lining here at all, but if you want to be talked off the ledge, I guess that's the best I can do. Um, again, that's, let's go back to Christian Gonzalez. So Christian like I said, is going to Oregon. It makes sense for the Demetrius Martin reasons. It makes sense for, I mean, it makes sense for him. You're a long athletic cornerback. One of the most talented cornerbacks in your class. You're, I mean, you, you want to be seen. His goal is to go to the NFL after next season. I think that that should be pretty easy to achieve for him. And, it's going to be easier to do at Oregon than it is at Colorado. And that's just the nature of that position. You know, if you're if you're LaVisca Chenault and, and you're thinking, oh, should I go to Oregon? Well, you have to remember that the, the ball's going to get passed around to more of those guys over there. Um, they're going to run the ball more over there. Um, if you do have success, then people are going to say, well, you know, he did do it at Oregon. Like, there's, there's good players. They, they have more talent than the teams that they play nine or ten games every season. So, of course, he was successful there. Like, who wouldn't be successful? Meanwhile, you put up a 1,000 yards at Colorado, and everybody's going to be like, well, he did it at Colorado. <laughs> That's impressive. He was the focal point for all the defenses. And there really isn't as much competition for touches typically at Colorado as there is at Oregon, just the nature of how the the, the talent is dispersed across the conference. Um, so, so for somebody like Visca it would make a lot of sense to stay somewhere like Colorado. For somebody like Christian Gonzalez, well, you're a shutdown corner. What that means is that nobody's really going to throw the ball at you. And that's kind of the blessing and the curse of corners. Like the, the, the best ones 
You don't hear their name called. People always say that just because they're out on an island, the quarterback doesn't even throw the ball that way, and so it's like they aren't even there because they're shutting down that area of the field. Like, it doesn't even exist during the game. If you do that at Oregon, people are going to be like, oh, wow, look, he's he's this Oregon DB. He's dope. He's doing all this, whatever. If you do it at Colorado, it's easy to overlook him. It's easy to overlook him. And when it comes to all the, the draft analysts and all that sort of stuff, he's going to show up on the radar later if he does it at Colorado than if, they, if he does it at Oregon. And that extra time of building that hype, people saying Christian Zoss is great, Christian Zoss, whatever, it matters. And, you know, I think, I think cornerback is one of the positions where maybe being at the brand name school that gets a lot of attention might, might really benefit you compared to some of the other positions. So there are some thoughts on that. At the same time, he, Oregon plays at Colorado this season and, you know, the, you know that the team is going to be fired up for that. You you know it. And if not, then like that that's when you fold the program. Like if they're not going out there saying we got to go beat this guy after he said that he needs to go over there cuz they're whatever. I mean, you you got to target him. You got to pick on him. You know, it's it, it's just the way that this needs to go um if if you're Colorado cuz Colorado is working at a, de- a deficit compared to a bunch of college football teams. They're always going, not always going to be the underdog, but before they're ever not the, the, the underdog sort of team, they've got a lot to do and a lot to prove. And so while you're living in this world where you're losing some of your best players likely every season, you need to be able to get fired up about things like going and playing the guys that you lose um, get fired up whenever Oregon comes to town, whenever USC comes to town. Because, again, I. what what happens if the Buffs win six games this season instead of four? If they pull out two more wins, is Makai still around? Is Brendan still around? Is Christian, like, I, I don't know. I would guess that at least one of those guys is still here, though. I, if you win ten games, I bet all three of them are still here. So you just got to build and start winning games to get to the point where you're not losing your best players and obviously losing them makes it even tougher to win games. It's this bad spiral, but you have to start to get out of it by just winning and finding a reason to get fired up when, you know, you're not, you're not playing for national championship. You know, when, when Oregon comes to Boulder in November, there's a good chance that bowl eligibility is going to be basically out the window for CU. Uh, I I think as of right now, I would say that's probably to be expected. But when they get here, everybody better be saying, "Let's go get Christian. Let's not let him do this to us. We're we're gonna go pick on him. Like throw out the fact that he's never picked off a pass. Like why are you scared to throw at him? He's never done it. He, use some of that stuff. Get in his head when you're on the field. Like you gotta have that sort of underdog mentality to to steal some of these games to get to the point where winning six games and then you're not losing as many players and then if you can build on that to get to eight games and then 10 games then all of a sudden you're you're where you need to be that's where you can just like steady the ship from there so again it it definitely is brutal and it's going to be tough to see him play for Oregon but I mean uh, to be honest there's a part of me that really likes it 
um, and maybe it's just because it's what we'd expected and I'd had a bunch of time to kind of reset my expectations, but I don't know. I think you, uh, you got to use it. You got to use it. Um, as for Brendan Mackay, I don't know where they go. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Brendan going to USC is probably the best bet. Um, and if that's the case, you know, you get to you get to do this all over again. You get to <laughs> tell those corners, those young guys, like, hey, you want to prove it? Like, you saw what this guy did last year. There's no way Brendan Rice was beating up on Kayla Moore in practice. They who would have fed him the ball to do that? Like these guys should have some confidence after going up against Brendan in practice. So if it is USC and I think it probably will be, it's, uh, you know, you, you use it as fuel and that's all you can do and hopefully make him feel dumb for leaving. Um, yeah, we got to talk about these cornerbacks though. Cause they, uh, they went from the easily, easily the best group on the team to, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. I'll say that. I do think that there are uh, some reasons to be pretty scared. I uh, want to remind you guys, though, about Sexy Pizza. Uh, we love Sexy Pizza. They uh, they do great things for us. Um, they, they had uh, pizza at all the Broncos tailgates this season. It was really good. I always – actually, today I had – we went 9-1 and one at Beer Pong. Won nine in a row and then lost. It was a great run. I wanted to get to double digits. But, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's always such a long day of beer pong for me because I never lose. I'm a combined 17-1 and one in the last two tailgates, uh, which I, I'm, I'm really surprised. I was never good at that, but now that I play it every week, I've gotten a lot better. Um, but I always want to go and eat more pizza. I wind up stuck over there playing that game until it's time to go into the stadium. Stadium, sorry, hiccups. Um, it's it's pretty frustrating for me, but uh, for everybody else who gets to eat a lot of sexy pizza, they it, they're just lucky. They have like the green chili peppers. They have all sorts of different stuff that they put on there. Uh, you can obviously make your own. You can pick one of their philanthro pies, and those are basically pies made by charities around town, and you order it and a portion of the proceeds go to them it's a great deal and an even better deal right now is that if you use the code sexy dnvr from saturday to wednesday so you still have a few days left then you get 20 percent off your online order it's a great deal definitely get in on that it's 20 percent off at sexy.pizza and again code sexy dnvr oh one more um light shade dispensary so uh, Lightshade is, like I said, a dispensary. If you use the code DMVR when you head in there, you get 25% off each purchase. Um, it's Colorado's premier dispensary that has 10 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. There's going to be another one opening here soon. Um, they're offering something from for everyone, from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top-shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Check out our favorite brands like Escape Artists and Wana. Podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DMVR. So shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Right now, you can go get the Escape Artist. It's, a, it's a, the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado. 
um, prioritizes quality and consistency. Um, they they have high CBD ratios. They got low ones. There's so many different choices. Um, they've got different creams for CBD that help to uh, do all the things that CBD creams do. Uh, so definitely go and check all that out at Lightshade Dispensary. Okay, so uh, the cornerback situation for 2022, um, it's not great. It's not great, and it used to be great, and I think that's what's so disappointing is that, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the offseason. You know, you lose Nate Landman, you lose Carson Wells, and those are big blows. But you could see how I mean, it still should be a good defense, at least on paper. Why? Because you have advantages with the corners. Because you can put Christian Gonzalez on the other team's number one receiver and not have to worry about it. You don't have to throw safeties over the top. You don't have to, I mean, double cover. You, you don't have to play zone. You can man up Christian Gonzalez. And then on the number two, man up Makai Blackman, who I think you can make a really strong case as the better football player in terms of just like right now today. Definitely doesn't have potentially like the same upside at the NFL level, but they're both really good and they can lock down the two best corners on an opposing team or two best receivers on an opposing team. When you can do that, you have those two playing outside, then you kind of pinch in a little bit. Um, then, then you don't have to extend so much outside to cover the passing game and it just creates more weight in the middle of your defense and that makes it so much easier to defend the run so while you lose Nate you lose Carson first of all who knows maybe one of the replacements is ready to take a big step forward but also you're going to have what feels like maybe another half defender in there just because of the way that you can build this defense now obviously you're not just going to man up every single time but it gives you that look that you can use in important situations on third downs, those sorts of things. It, it would have been really nice, especially with Nigel Bethel as a number three. You know, that's a that's one of the best number three corners in the Pac-12. You know, having those three together, you had something special, and it is no longer there. So, where does that leave them? It means that this defense is going to, I think, probably have some struggles at points. I think that you do, first of all, just worry about your ability to cover outside. Um, there's talent there. There's young players who looked good last year, but you're asking a lot. Um, and because of that, like I said, it just changes the shape of this defense. You know, you can't just lean on the run because you know that the other team is going to be running the ball a lot instead of testing you with the passing game. You lost Nate Lamb and Carson Wells. Those corners got another year better. Like it, the, the game script just doesn't fit what I think you'd want to see from uh, the, the opponents anymore. So, yeah. Uh, in terms of who you're going to see on the field at those positions, it starts with Kalen Moore and Tyron Taylor and Nico Reed. All three were two freshmen last year. Those were the three guys. Oh, and sorry, with Nigel Bethel, of course. Um, but those those other three were the bottom three corners listed on the depth chart all season. So from the first one we got during fall camp through the end of the year, it's those three um, that rounded out like the top six corners 
for Colorado. Now, it's really impressive that all those freshmen were playing at a level where the coaching staff was was that willing to put them out there. But again, I mean, this is this is a whole nother beast. This isn't, okay, you got Christian on one side, you've got Makai on the other. Oh, oh, Nigel's hurt? Well, Kalen, go play this slot. We're going to have the safety over the top of you, so don't worry too much about that. It's a very different world when you don't have those advantages at the other spots. I, mean, I think it's easy to look at that and say, like, well, that does mean that Kalen Moore was going to get targeted more because the quarterbacks would obviously rather throw at him than Gonzalez or Makai. Really, though, it means that he's probably getting the most help um, out of out of the rest of that defense. Now you've got Nigel Bethel likely fitting into your number one corner role, which, you know, I'm excited for him. I think that there's a, a real chance that he does rise to the occasion. You know, everything we've seen of him from this point has been really solid. You know, he he's kind of the best playmaker potentially of the three corners they had last year I think Carl Carl and Chris Wilson and I think a bunch of guys have really just said that the ball finds him it's every day in practice he's getting his hands on on the ball um during all the scrimmages he was having interceptions um some of that maybe is just kind of fluky but the sample size of all the practices they have and all that sort of stuff it's exciting. I think that is exciting. And I think that there is a real chance that he rises to the occasion and becomes a playmaker. I think that you probably run a bunch more zone back there. I think that, I mean, it just makes sense, right? That, that you wouldn't try to put all these guys on the island, especially early on. Um, because of that, I think that that makes it even easier for uh, a guy like Nigel to make those plays. Um, I think last season the Buffs ran man coverage like 42% of the time, 43% of the time which was first or second. It was definitely top three in the Pac-12 um, because I mean, every team is going to use zone more often than man. It just makes more sense. Um, but what does that number look like next year? I bet they probably fall into the bottom half in terms of usage of man coverage. So there's something to look for. And again, you got Nigel Bethel there. I think Kalen Moore is probably your number two. It seems like they gave him the most opportunities. I know they really like Nico Reed um, and think that he could be a, a pretty special kind of player. And then, to me, out of the guys we've seen before, Tyron Taylor is probably the biggest question um, just because he primarily played safety in the second half of the season. You know, He was playing strong safety, um, actually fitting in in front of Isaiah Lewis at points. So... Do they flip him back to corner? I think I think he has a body type that makes you think he's more of a corner. Um, just just so long and lean and honestly just kind of skinny. Uh, but who knows? I mean, they could see something at safety. I think he'd probably make more sense as a deep safety than an in-the-box safety until he puts on a little bit more weight. You just, I don't know. For me personally, I'd like to get a little, a little hitting out of that position, honestly. Um, but then you've also got Chris Miller back this year. So you got Chris Miller who can fit into one of the safety spots, can fit into a corner spot if he's healthy. And that's a really big if. And and if he is healthy, I mean, what's he look like? He hasn't played a whole lot of football. And he got hurt against, no, before Texas A&M. I remember because I talked to him on the Wednesday before the A&M game and said, so you're you're totally healthy? And he's like, yep, 100%. And I was like, like, nothing lingering at all? And he was like, nope. And then, I mean, he kind of gave me a look. Like, why, why, why are we lingering on this one? And then before the game on that Saturday, 
we saw that he was not out there, not or not dressed out. It's like, oh no, what happened? And then didn't see him. I don't think we saw him at all again. I almost think he did come back and then maybe had a fluky injury on the sideline, or was that? Uh, I don't know. Point is, didn't get a lot out of him last year or the year before. You wonder if you're going to get anything, but that is another piece that could potentially factor in. Um, you've got Isaiah Lewis back, who is just kind of a steady hand in that secondary. That's going to be a lot more valuable than I think we needed. I thought that there was a real chance that, that he was going to be more of a reserve type of player this season, but now it's looking like he could be kind of the 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 leader of the group. Um you know, Trevor Woods is going to factor in, Curtis Appleton, Anthony Lyle. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And then in terms of uh, freshmen coming in, you know, and again, we're going to see a lot of these freshmen. We saw a lot of the freshman corners last year. Um, we saw Trevor Woods last year. We, we saw a lot of freshmen playing um, last season in that secondary. Obviously, more reason to think that there'd be even more so this year. Your top recruit, though, is Dylan Dixon, the safety out of Texas. Hey, I mean, I think you expect him to be on the field. I would not have said that pretty recently. Um, worth noting, Torin Pittman from two classes ago. Haven't seen much of him, but but it could be time for him to get into the conversation here too. Um, you know, they bring in Keyshawn Mills, the corner also from Texas. He's going to be a factor. Uh, Simeon Harris, another one. Josh Wiggins is the top-rated corner they brought in. I think, again, we're we're going to be seeing these guys play at points this season. Um, and Just got to hope they're ready. I, I also think that you probably add to this group from the transfer portal. We've seen the Buffs offer some corners, or one corner that stands out. There's probably more. Um, you, you need help. You need you need depth, and there's obviously you lost two starters. There's room to add starters here too. You don't have to play Kalen Moore. You don't have to play Nico Reed. Sitting those guys on the bench for a year would probably be the dream scenario, but it only makes any sense if you've got really good players to put in front of him, since you're taking those snaps away. Um, you know the the big kind of overarching theme of the day though just just bad news, more bad news. And it hasn't let up yet. I would have thought that by January 8th, we'd uh, we'd be done <laughs> with this part. Um, hopefully this is it. Hopefully they don't lose anymore. Uh, and hopefully they start bringing guys in because it's about time to flip from losing to bring them in. I feel like I've been saying that for a week. So we'll see if it actually happens. I'm still waiting for confirmation at the end of this coaching staff. Um, still looking for a wide receivers coach. I expect that news to come in the next couple of days. I do think that we're probably getting pretty close to hearing some guys are coming to see you. So just gotta, just gotta take, hopefully these are the last blows and then see where we're at afterward. Um, I will, uh, talk to you guys soon.